Welcome to the Living Out Loud discussion series. Living Out Loud is all about examining real life scenarios and issues that come up in our interactions with each other in professional settings or settings where we feel like we need to be buttoned up. That means we're going to be talking about the things that typically go unsaid. We're going to be taking those real life scenarios and unpack them in real time. And we're going to hold space for shared accountability so that we can improve our practices together. The goal for every single episode is to reveal the layers and the nuances in our interactions so that we can learn about them as a community that cares about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm Charmaine Nuts, a relational DEI expert who combines thinking, feeling, and doing to help create change in organizations. I have more than a decade of leadership experience in social service organizations and higher education. I am an author, a facilitator, a skill builder, a safe space holder, family member, partner, friend, and in all of those different capacities, DEI Lens is in constant use. I chose to create this series because there is a significant common theme across people and industries in my practice, and it is that people are learning a lot of information and they aren't sure how to use it. They don't know how to put it into practice and people are basically asking, what do I do now that I have this stuff in my brain? The hope is that people feel equipped to engage in the unknown, in the challenging and scary parts of DEI work, or maybe even in their personal lives. And look, I wear a lot of the hats. So I want to be very clear that the thoughts, views, opinions that are shared in this discussion series, they are my own and not as a representative of any of the agencies that I work for or contracted by. The topic is how to address impact on someone or people in a moment. I am super excited to be having this conversation with Manola Clark Manson. She is the guest on today's show. I want to introduce her first so you can understand like who we have in this space and how graced and blessed we are to have her in our presence. So Manola is an experienced executive manager focused on health and human service, nonprofit and government organizations. She's an experienced leader of people who understands that the best leadership uses position, knowledge, connections, and privilege to grow people beyond the leader or any work that they do together. She advocates for change in organizations to ensure that they are inclusive and strengths-based. She promotes and practices strong anti-racist and trauma-informed leadership. And on top of that, I know Manola as like an awesome human being. <laughs> she is so skilled and gifted at being in the types of spaces that I just described. Like, I really don't know another person that can just be with people and like model what it looks like to be in super unknown or scary and challenging moments and to just be curious and to name whatever she's feeling or to ask other people if they'd be willing to share theirs and make space for it. So she has absolutely served as a model for me and I know other people in the spaces that we have shared. Thank you so, so much, Manola, for being here. I'm very honored to be here, and I'm honored that you chose me to be your, your first interviewee. Thank you, Manola. Well, I know the gifts are going to keep on coming as we get into this combo. So let's get into it. The topic is how to address impact on someone or people in a moment. 
that can mean a lot of things. So it feels super important for us to just like get on the same page about like, what are we talking about when we say that there's been an impact on someone? I wanted to look up the definition in the dictionary because um, it's, it's a word that gets thrown around too much. And it's, a, it's really about the individual as opposed to this generic term. So the definition from the dictionary, from the Oxford Dictionary, is to forcibly contact another object. Hmm. To forcibly contact another object or having a strong effect on someone or something. So if you have forcibly had an impact had a forcible contact emotionally, verbally, or even feeling physically on someone else, that's impact. Hmm. And I, I think what's important here is the someone else. Because that means that someone else is determining that impact, that effect, that contact. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest part because I'm sorry, I threw that ball and I didn't throw it hard. Yes, I'm a baseball player and a pitcher and no, it wasn't hard at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but the person <laughs> receiving that ball who was not a baseball player, that's enormous. Even if yeah. it was just, I just tossed it. What's the deal? Yes. It's it, yeah. the person receiving who needs to determine that. I, I think that's terribly hard because that baseball player would say, again, I didn't do anything. And would be justified in saying I didn't do anything. Yeah. From, from their perspective. Yeah. From, yeah. From their perspective. I like starting there. That's a good place to start. And I do feel that... I, challenge is in allowing or I don't even know if allow is the right word but honoring that people get to decide for themselves what things are I've been impacted so regardless of if you understand what I'm saying like I actually was impacted is it okay that there's two different experiences and I feel like what you're talking about is one of the things I've seen a lot is the difficulty to just have the okayness of the two different experiences it's a competing mm -hmm. between it's either this or it's that it right. either impacted or not and it's like you can perceive that you didn't and also i'm saying that you did and without the ability to just hold the two it's hard to even address it so i, I appreciate you starting there it makes me also think about other people seeing impact. And I don't even know if that's where we're at in this particular part of the discussion, but I think about someone seeing an impact on another person. I think there are two things, at least two things going on with what you just said. So I see somebody say something. I, I am present when someone says something to you. And I, I have made an assumption that that reaction that you had was because there was an impact. And I am responding to that. 
there's also you you're the casual person and that baseball player the pitcher threw the ball to you and I can see how fast that ball is going and I can see your hand move far back when you try to catch the ball and so I saw something yes and it was a reality (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know how you felt about it but I saw that Mm. so those are those are different and and I might say when that ball came at you so quickly, I may just state the fact. Wow, that ball came so fast. It moved your hand back so far. That was scary for me. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing else. I mean, you have the option of saying, Oh, yeah, that I'm I'm used to that. I didn't it didn't bother me. I knew what to expect. I wanted that to happen or I wanted to see if I could catch it or any number of things. And the pitcher could say, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that you weren't. Whereas the other, the first one I mentioned, I may say something only to say, I don't know what happened here, but I feel really uncomfortable right now. And then it's all about me because. I don't know what really happened. I don't know if you have any effect or it had an impact. It had an impact on me. And I'm talking about that impact. Mm -hmm. And in both of those, in both scenarios, I feel like what's used is the curiosity, is the being curious about the moment and a potential impact and to create the space to just for it to be said. Whether or not it was a thing. And I also appreciate your analogy, too. There's a difference between me assuming that there was an impact. Also, sometimes we do see, we see the fullness of an impact. We see a fullness of an impact. And what I have seen in many spaces is us people seeing an impact in a, we don't say anything because we weren't the one that was hit. And even if we weren't the specific one that was hit, there might even be a bit a piece of us, but we still weren't the one. So there's a lot of people that watch like the impact occur and not say anything or lean in with the curiosity because there's, I can make assumptions about why. And I'm saying that I know that a lot of the reason is this fear about what's going to happen if I go into this moment and just pause it and be curious about was there an impact? It's curiosity to enter into it And then once we're into it, it's can we actually hold that there is a reality that maybe someone does not agree with, or maybe they will. But we don't often give ourselves the chance to go into that space to see. And when we're in there, I don't know if I've experienced as much as I'd like to the ability to hold that if I don't understand the impact, it's okay that you were impacted. And I actually want to be curious about it because I, I don't want to create further impact. I don't get to experience that as much as I would hope to. Mm-hmm. That kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think there's, mm, I don't want to overuse a word, but it seems like there's secondary impact when you don't mm-hmm. say anything. Mm-hmm. When you see something and you 
you see something that you think is harmful in any way. So impacts aren't always harmful. And if you see something that is harmful by your interpretation and you say nothing, you don't step into it, you don't question, then there is damage done to you. Let me say it differently. For me, there is damage for me. <laughs> I don't want to assume that everybody is going to react or respond or even feel the same way that I do. So I will only talk about, I will try to only talk about me. It, there is, there, for too many words are coming out at the same time. For me, okay. there is a problem with inaction. When I don't act and I think or, that I should or I could have, then I will think about that for a long time. There just seems to be a responsibility when you live in, I have a responsibility when I live and I am in community, and that is the only way I can be effective. Mm -hmm. When I don't, when I disengage from that community and I disengage by not responding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, so I know you're speaking for yourself. I can speak for me too and say I have the same shared experience. And I also know that other people experience that. Because there is, there's a whole internal process that someone's going through this to decide to say something or not. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes people choose not to for very valid reasons. Sometimes you're so tired of being the person to say the thing that you choose not to. And I get that and I understand that. And sometimes we choose not to because we have the, the privilege to do so. And I don't know if we can be the people that do it every single time and the goal be to be in spaces where we're kind of sharing mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I get the impact that you're saying because you do leave and you think about it a lot. And for me, like I think about the impact that I had on that person too by kind of participating in it, by not saying anything. Mm -hmm. And then I think about the times where I was in that same spot and not saying something or not having other people say something or just feeling the weight of being the person to always do that. I know that I have recently been intentionally trying to hold myself a bit more, probably more than a bit, a lot more responsible for the moment. Because the impact of not saying it was a bit too much for me. Like it, I didn't like it sitting with me after that. And it's not really mm -hmm. modeling the best types of behaviors. And right. so I've kind of just chosen to sit more in that moment. And I've noticed the more that I do that, what happens in me? Because while I say stuff all the time, I still have this process I go through. I get super hot. I get a anxiety. And then I get the same fear that everybody else has. What if I say this thing? They're going to view me this way. I'm going to always be the person that blah, blah. There's so much stuff going on in my mind. And I have to self-regulate just to get it out. But you have to, like, you have to do that. You cannot keep believing and not doing that. And then as someone who has the positions that I have, where I'm facilitating spaces or I'm leading others, I really, really don't want to leave not having modeled something that other people are having difficulty with. 
Like if mm-hmm. I didn't do it, why would I ask other people to do it? So a like tangible thing that I have to do in a way to address it is to one, there is going to be this internal experience that people have that's like part of the actual doing. And it can feel super uncomfortable or scary to actually have to regulate to get it out. And then like becomes the word part. What, what do you say to somebody to pause or to be curious? And there's no perfect script for it. Everyone has their own voice. But I've just found, I try to hold on to three types of things. Like, I don't even know if there's three. I just feel like it's three in my mind. I try to pause the moment and I'm just like, okay, I just want to say something in this moment. I am super feeling anxious about it because I don't really want to come off this way. But I feel like if I don't do it in this moment, I am participating in something I don't want to participate in. So I really like to say this out loud and invite us to be curious about something if that's okay. And I haven't had anybody say no. Now it's possible they will, but for now we're just pretending that uh-huh. this will continue to be the case. But usually people are like, yeah. And then I say, okay, well, something was said and I'm not sure if people understand the impact, but when this particular word or when this thing happened, I saw or I felt, and I just name whatever it is, if it's for myself or for another person. If it's for myself, I can speak very clearly about what the impact is If it's for another person, though, to your point earlier, I say what I saw and felt, and then I ask if that makes sense to anybody. What could be really hard, too, is I sometimes feel like I'm putting somebody on the spot to participate in something, and I'm like, is this okay or not? And so that's a hard part, too, now I think about Mm -hmm. it. Hmm. So I I wonder if in those moments it can stay focused on you. Hmm. So. I, if we go mm. back to the example of the baseball being thrown, I, I just talked about what happened for me. I, I saw it. It was pretty fast. It was it was scary fast. And I saw your hand go back and it just felt very, very disturbing for me. Yeah. Yes. I wonder if it felt that way for anybody else or... Those words were said, and for me, it did, it did this, and I'm concerned that I'm not unique in that feeling. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I thank you for, I don't know if it's a reframe, but the how about, it doesn't have to be all the things if you just focus on you and then invite others to share if is anyone else seeing that or did anyone else feel that? Then people get to decide for themselves if that's the case. So I love that. It's a great tangible thing to be thinking about when people do step into a moment. Then the other thing that I was thinking, and I hope my brain didn't lose it too much, is there are also things that people say that are generally acknowledged as things to not say anymore. They're like offensive or not trauma-informed. There's things that people say that could have an impact on people that we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that that's another space that people have difficulty moving into. Mm -hmm. It might not be some direct statement to a person, but it's still something that we are acknowledging is no longer a good way to practice or a good way to communicate to people or stuff to say. 
And I'm kind of wondering in those moments, how do you experience that? How have you, how have you gone about that? Your face is just making me laugh. Right? I'm, I'm making faces. I'm making faces. It's a, it's a, I think it's a difficult place to be because it feels in one way like policing. Mm. And I purposely chose that word. And in another, it feels like being appropriately respectful. Mm. And it's, it's not one of those things where you can say, well, I've chosen not to do blah, 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 blah. Cause that's, that's not so hidden policing as well with an added bit of elitism. And at the same time, it, it's not okay to be accepting of things that we already know people are not accepting of. No. And are hurtful. And I, I try to go back to putting myself in the situation. So if somebody said Negro in a conversation, I would be very upfront about saying something. So <laughs> why am I not as upfront about asking people to really use the appropriate pronouns? Or not to say some other word, I can't think of anything right now, that, that just is inappropriate to a, a, to a group of people, to, to my colleagues, to my friends, to my community. Why, why, would, I be, why would I have that extra difficulty then? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think one of the things is that because it is not mine, I have a hard, and I have a hard time with remembering about whatever it is. I want to make it more okay for it not to be an issue. Well, so here's an example. My daughter's partner uses they and them. And when my daughter first started talking about it, and this is years ago, when she first started talking about it, I was like, you know, I can't remember. So, you know, she should give me grace. What's, what's the deal? <laughs> and, and I couldn't make the connection between anything else. It was just, I was being asked to do something awkward and, and why should I have to do this? Mm -hmm. And she, she, figuratively sat me down and said, what's the deal? Why won't you do this thing? And, and I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm being so hesitant about something that is so fundamental to this person. There are things that are fundamental to me that I, I wouldn't think twice about demanding that it happen and this, I'm, I'm acting like it's such a burden. And the only things that I could say are the things that I just said about why it's different. 
But I think the primary thing is I couldn't see that this was the same issue. Mm. Somehow my issue mm. was clear and important, and that was not. Yeah. And once I recognized that that's what I was doing, that was horrifying. Once yeah. I recognized that that's what I was doing, it, it was a much easier transition. And there was much easier for me to apologize when I didn't do it right. When I fell into laziness, because that's all it was. It, it, but it, that, that, that leap, which should have been just walking through the door, that leap for me was hard and and embarrassingly so. So I need to remember that with all the other things that I am not familiar with and still exist in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you just said something that I just want to know. I got to know some more about. Because you went through a process and I don't want to, I'm kind of curious about the figuratively sat down, but I won't ask about that. It's more <laughs> So you did something you were encouraged and you ultimately chose to do some, it sounds like reflection. You had to really think about what you were doing and why you were doing it, which is, I don't think practiced a lot. So I'm really curious about if you could just give us a little insight to what your process was, because you heard it, because I heard you were asked something, it wasn't, didn't rise to the level, then you got figuratively sat down, then you were like, well, it wasn't important to me. Then you were like, that was horrifying. And then you fixed it. And that's a lot of stuff in there. So what did you, what happened? So what is the process that happens to do that? Yeah, like, how did you, I kind of want to know what your process was and how you really experienced it. Because you gave us the little touch points of it. So for me to... For me to change a habit or a behavior, I have to understand. So I can, I, I can do the details of, of whatever the task is, but they're not set until I understand what it is. Hmm. So I needed to understand what I was doing and why I was doing it before I can make a change. Hmm. And, and I know that other people can just make a change, but that's, that's not how I, I, I work. That's, that's, that's just not how I work. So I, I have to understand what, what the impact of it is, both on me and the rest of the world, and what is driving my behavior. And when I look at internally at what's driving my behavior and that behavior isn't consistent with who I am in the world or who I believe I am in the world, then that's really disconcerting. Yeah. So yeah. the horrifying part was I am small enough that I'm not going to make a change that is significant to someone's being in the world because it's, that's a bit with my ideas that, I mean, that, that's, 
that to me is a horrifying idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's a human one. And I think that people really struggle with saying it out loud and acknowledging it it, because people don't want to be associated with any type of negative label or perceived as maybe doing more harm or impacting someone or contributing to hurt. People don't want that. So if we don't acknowledge it and like say it out loud and process it, we do run the risk of continuing to do it. Because as you were saying what you were saying, it's like, I know this about myself, but you made me just pause and be like, you, you do that. You definitely do that in different areas. We are more connected to our experiences and who we are. Because you're right. If someone said something that impacted the Black community, I would, I just, it's just this immediate response. But if there's something that could impact another person or community that I am not directly, I don't identify with or have their experience, it doesn't ignite me the same way. And what I'm hearing what you're saying is we need to be mindful of that human experience that we aren't going to just be equally ignited to be in all the spaces. It's also not, you know, humanly possible for us to know all the things, but we do learn stuff and we have an ability to not engage because we're not as ignited and we're not directly impacted or involved. So what are we saying and choosing not to? Mm -hmm. And as in true Manola form, you actually made this very complicated because when you interest, when you introduced this concept, you talked about the policing part of it. So it's never just an easy thing. It's when we do these things and address it, it also comes with this like feeling of policing and that like it can be really hard to want to lean in, not want to police. So I'm wondering if we can just spend a moment or two concretely being able to share how do we balance that and still lean in and say when we need to say something i i I don't know the answer to that i i think it may be i suspect it may be situational although i am i would say I lean towards saying something than not. And how that is said may be the part that's situational. Okay. <laughs> so it may be just identifying that something that you've you've worked on trying to make sure you do. I've I've really worked hard at trying not to say guys anymore because I recognize that you know all the things yeah as opposed to in another situation saying and I'm using something I'm purposely using something less volatile in another situation I might say in this organization in this setting 
while I'm present, I'd appreciate it if we would use. And if that came into a conversation, that could come into a conversation, but just stating fact. I feel you on the situation specific scenario. To me, if there are places that are wanting to create some version of a learning community, and that can mean different things and be called different things for places. But if there's a desire to create a learning community, I feel like there is the open door to be Mm -hmm. sharing those things Mm -hmm. and they can be shared from that learning space. And to go back to what you were saying from the place of what we're individually learning, I can imagine, I I can remember a time or two where I actually did that because I learned stuff and then I'm in spaces and then people say it. And I just kind of decide, like, is this the moment to do this in front of everybody? Is this the moment to like share individually with a person? Because that's something to think about, too. Right. But it comes from a place of like, hey, you know what? I just learned whatever it was. I just learned this thing. And Mm -hmm. I've just been trying to share it with people so that I can share the learning. I don't know if you want to do anything with that, but like, I'm just letting you know where this came from and what it means. So you get to decide what to do with that. If it's something that feels egregious in a big space, then then I'll say it outwardly to people. But if it's something that doesn't feel like that, and maybe it's a training and doesn't make sense to just, you know, interject, Mm -hmm. I'll probably say something on the side during a break or, you know, if it's virtual via chat or something. But there's that. And then if you don't have the ability or the open doorness of this like learning space. I think it does come with some other factors that could make it a little bit harder for people. But I'm like you, I kind of lean to more often than not, I'm going to choose to say something. And I, I work really hard to just have some sort of like personal protocol for how I get into a situation. I usually name my feeling and probably discomfort and vulnerability with my desire, which is really, it's not about shaming or blaming anybody. It's really not. We're all learning stuff along the way. So I'm just offering this up as a thing for you to use or not use. But I would feel uncomfortable with not. And I have been in spaces where I've chosen not to say something as someone who is a leader or a person of privilege in a space. And by not saying something, I have heard an impact. And I have also been the person that has chosen to say something as a leader or a person in privilege and have heard the impact of having someone else say it. And I think that's why I choose to just say as much as I can, even though it's kind of always feelings and I don't like feeling. Uh-huh. It doesn't feel good. When you do it, but it feels good to say it once it's said, even if it doesn't go well, whatever that means. I I think there is a responsibility of people in leadership to say. Yeah. Because by not saying, you are still modeling. So be sure of what you're wanting to model and be very clear about what you are modeling so both what you want to and what you are Mm because those aren't always the same Mm -hmm. it would be nice if they were but they're not always i i i have been i have been 
both the, I wanted to model this and not, as well as watching something that has been said that it's going to be modeled and it's, Mm -hmm. um, and both of those places are not, are not happy places. You said something and I lost it for a second. You were talking about the impact of saying something and not saying something. I haven't often lately been, I was going to say that I haven't often been in a place where I wasn't in a leadership role and had to make a choice about saying things. And I'm in a new organization, surprisingly not in a leadership role in this, in this organization. And it is a group of very naive people about what is in the world. Surprisingly naive people about what is in the world. And there is a, you mentioned this earlier, there is a point of, of tiredness of always bringing something up. Mm-hmm. I would like this group to just bring it up themselves or acknowledge it themselves or come to these, these places and they haven't, and they're not going to. So it is on me as an individual and as a member of this group to choose every single time. Are you going to say something now? Are you going to create this environment or are you going to just let it go by? And there are some political ramifications for saying or not saying. Though I may in the moment not say something, I keep coming back to, I need to, and I end up saying something. And tolerating that terrible anxiety of, oh my God, they're all going to hate me now, or, oh my God, I have ruined my reputation across the whatever. And all the other self-talk that has nothing to do with this issue, but just is self-talk that I have, I have accumulated. Yeah. And on the most part, I feel better after saying something, no matter how small it is or no matter how big it is, I feel better about informing and raising the knowledge of the people around me every time. <laughs> and it is confirmed every time later on yeah. that I should have done that. Yep. Yeah. I don't know why I don't think about those things when I'm about to say something and when I'm debating about the risk of saying something because. It would be so much better if I could remember these experiences afterwards. But the, the, that's not how I work or humans in general work. Right. But I, I, I want that, that herd that more times than not, the outcome has been better for me and for the people around me. Yep. 
Yep. I have, I have not been in every space you have been in, but I've been in a lot of situations with you and I have seen that. I have personally felt it personally and have seen, I mean, again, I don't want to name st- stuff for other people, but I can physically see responses in people like physical relief and appreciation when you do. And I see that when other people do too. And you're right. It is harder to recall an outcome of things when we're activated by all the things that are right in front of our face when we're just trying to just say something. But you said something that I think is a really important piece to hold on to because you said you're, you're, kind of, you're leading with this need to do it. And I share in that and that I, mine is responsibility. I say responsibility. I say I have a responsibility to do it. And that's part of my, what I share with people in the naming of how I'm feeling in the, the vulnerability and just I'm trying to hold myself accountable for this responsibility I hold to not keep doing the things that we're trying not to do. I'm trying to do that. It's uncomfortable. And you're right. All those fears and yes, ruining relationships or being seen a certain way or ramifications. It's all there. But I want to go back to one more piece. When you were talking about leaders definitely need to be doing it. And I feel like there's an understanding in our minds as leaders that we need to do it. I found that there's this extra layer of fear and avoidance because what people will say, and oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes hide behind is if I, as someone in a place of power privilege, do say something, is the impact even more to people if I'm in spaces where maybe it's a staff member who doesn't share the same position level as me. There is more that comes with that for some reason. Say, say more about that. I think I, I lost you somewhere. Yeah, so, okay. So in my work with leaders, what I have found is that many of them can say out loud, they understand that they need to model behaviors, including the ones that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But in the moments when the time comes to model it, to say something in a moment, to make room for an impact that has occurred, I hear the same reasons of fear that other people express, but there's this extra one that feels very strong that leaders hold, which is, well, I hold this power and privilege. If I say something, then I am using my power and privilege and it's going to hurt another person who doesn't have this privilege. So maybe I should step back and let someone else do it so that I don't create a, a bigger harm. I see your face. But this is what, <laughs> this is what happened. I'm not making it up. Like this is no, what no, is. I, 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 I hear you and I hear, and I have experienced that and it's hogwash. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is, it's a really nice re- justification for not moving forward. It really works well. And it's wrong. Yeah. And I have used it and it's still wrong. <laughs> it, it, it is a way of 
justifying inaction and inaction in the face of something in the face of harm i'm not and i'm i'm talking about real harm that's that's just wrong yeah but it certainly is a really really good justification yeah yes yes and it's circular so no matter how you no matter where you get on the the merry-go-round with that logic you're safe yeah yeah but you need to not get on that merry-go-round it's it's a fallacy it is it is a destroyer of good leadership mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that a lot of what we were talking about today can easily apply to everyone including leaders there is a way to name name who we are what we're experiencing what we're hoping to have come across a reality of a situation i think i have had to do this so I have to name that I understand that I am saying this thing and that it comes with me coming into this space as someone who holds a privilege that not everybody holds. So when I say this, please know that I understand that and I am open to actually hearing how this was received and if I'm missing something. And then I say it because you just, you got to say it. Right. And part of learning how to do it is you kind of have to try stuff out and see what works. So I try... You know, and then here's some feedback. Didn't land great. Almost. Let me try some more. And you you kind of have to try it out mm-hmm. and see what works for yourself, see what works in certain situations. But I have found just like owning it and being open to hearing if there's something that was missed or if it didn't come off very well, being receptive to that is important because you're right. If it is so detrimental, if leaders in spaces do not engage and hide behind, I'll use your word, hogwash, that's hilarious. It's not helpful. But what is helpful is the trying and the modeling of trying and, and allowing others to share how they're right. experiencing you. That creates safety. And then the other part is, if you do hear something back and it didn't go well, it's all right. What did you ask for? You might not get that like pat on the back, that's not the point anyway. The point is to have this space, say it, allow people to give it back. That is so much trust building and safety creation that can occur when people know you're trying, you're right. open hearing feedback and, you know, nothing bad came of it and they can do it again. And you can co-create something later that ends up working. I mean, that is so powerful. So I would hope, you know, leaders, in particular, listening to our discussion today, know the importance of being able to like step in. I keep saying step. I don't want to do that. <clears throat> Move in to spaces and challenging moments and overcome whatever we're personally justifying or feeling stuck by to just do that. Because the it's better to do than not to do. Right. Yeah. It is. We're almost at time. I don't know if there's anything else that we want to say on this topic. Do you feel like there's anything that just has to be said? No. I can't think of anything that could be started now. Oh, okay. And ended 
in a few minutes. <laughs> no, I, I think I think the answer is is no. Okay. I, I think there is one more thing. Okay. You knew okay, that it was it. coming. Um, I, I I just wanna remind everybody that this isn't easy. Yeah. That it is it's hard and you need partners and you need sounding boards and you need to be able to say like when you get feedback as a leader or not a leader <laughs> that says that you did something that didn't land well, that you had an impact on someone, that you hurt somebody, that those things are hard to hear and you need other people to, to vent with about it. Yeah. Otherwise it gets, if speaking about me, if I, if I don't talk about it, then it gets swallowed and it turns into something negative. Mm -hmm. And the result is that my reaction next time is worse. Yeah. I would hate for people to start this process and the reinforcement is for them to not do any more, as opposed to the reinforcement is to be even more vulnerable, to try it again, to be exposed more. Because that's, that, that is where you really gain and you grow in your organization or the people or your community or your meeting gets better. Yes. But only Just. when you have that extra. So you can support this major shift. Yeah. I thank you for saying that. I agree with everything that you said. It is hard. It often doesn't feel good. The piece that I wanted to add to the support and the venting is in the venting to seek for the type of venting that helps you keep going in it because I just want to stamp that with approval we can get the type of communal support that validates the venting in such a way that it makes us not want to keep doing it yeah that is hard why would you do that that does really suck that person isn't gonna change like it it could go in a direction that's not where you're wanting to go mm -hmm. so to be mindful about that sometimes you need that. Sometimes you just need to like release. But if that's your regular practice, I could see how that would impact you to keep going or get in the way of you continuing to go. So looking for ways to have that support in the venting that keeps you engaged in what can feel like a struggle oftentimes. So thank you for saying that. I know I need that a lot. I need it more than I use it. When I don't use it, I'm like, it's too much. And that's going to lead us into a whole other topic. What I want to do is chat with you about what these other topics are and see if maybe you can come back for another episode or two. Sure. And we'll see what happens there. So other than that, anything else you want to wrap up with on today's topic? 
I don't think so. I think this was good. I really enjoyed the conversation. I I like the ability for you to hear my process and for me to see it. Yeah. I'm certain that people will benefit from your wisdom, from our convo today. I want to thank you so much for being here and doing this with me. How can, if people are like, wow, Manila is so cool, or like, gotta like connect with her. <laughs> like, how can people get in touch with you? I am on LinkedIn. You can connect me through LinkedIn. Connect with me through LinkedIn. It's Manola Clark Minter. I will also add that to the description. So if anyone wants some easy access there, you can absolutely mm-hmm. reach out to Manola directly. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is super important because it, in my personal opinion, it really got into tangible ways that people can look at themselves, their internal experience that is happening when we're in moments where we might want to say something, ways to actually get into a conversation and name what you're experiencing, what you hope to have in the conversation or in the statement to others and attaching it to like the need and the responsibility that we have. I encourage you, if you would like to come back and visit for more episodes, you can always visit me on my website at livingunapologetically.com. You can connect me on social media, email. There are free tools that are available to you to deepen your practice. You'll have access to buy my book, Bias Conscious Leadership, Framework for Leading with Action and Accountability. Share this with others share it with people that you work with or close to engage in dialogue come back for more thank you for listening and i hope to connect soon so until next time bye